Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. One of the best parts of doing this podcast is that I get to talk to cool people who are doing interesting things in the integral world and really moving the ball in terms of, you know, the evolution of consciousness and culture. And this is certainly true of my guest today, Thomas McConkie, who is pioneering what I consider to be a true integral spirituality. And it's a spiritual path with individual and collective aspects, in community aspects. And I'll leave it there for a moment while we welcome him to the podcast. So, hey, Thomas, good to have you with us. Good to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. You bet. (laughs) <laughs> so before we get into what we're going to talk about, uh, let me just let the folks know a little bit about what I know about you sure. and our history. And I think you and I met probably around five years ago mm-hmm. at a meditation retreat that was led by another conscious evolutionary, our dear sister, Roshi Diane Musho Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And shortly thereafter, you, I, I, I don't know how we got to know each other because it was silent retreat. I mean, however <laughs> did we do that, Tom? <laughs> anyway, shortly after that, you published your book, Navigating Mormon Faith Crisis. <laughs> and we did an episode of The Daily Evolver, and you told the story of your you know, awakening, in a sense. <laughs> and you were a good Mormon boy raised in a good Mormon family. And you had a crisis of faith as a young man where you left home and hearth and went off on a classic hero's journey, basically, right? Around the world a couple times and drinking of all the many fountains and yeah. newly bereft spiritual seeker. I mean, yeah, it's indeed. so romantic, right? <laughs> Keep so, going, Jeff. You're doing yeah. amazing. I love well, it. Well, <laughs> okay. And I think, um, you know, where you have landed has been a true integral space where you're you were guided by integral theory in, in a lot of this, weren't you? Absolutely. I mean, so you knew about this as you were doing. So, you know, that really helps the spiritual path because we see all of the pieces that we can, all the fountains we can drink of. And uh, ultimately, this led you, I guess, 13 years later, right? Back to where you started. And it's funny how that works. It was, I mean, from leaving the Mormon church to a coming home is more like 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so back to Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. where you have been putting what you learned into practice with other people. Yeah, and sorry. I guess we'll just start there. So, why don't you tell me or tell us a little bit about what you're doing? You have an organization called Lower Lights, mm-hmm. and um, you're working with people through that, and it's very interesting. So, just to start there. I appreciate it, Jeff. Well, that's a really generous introduction. I feel the love of my friend coming through there. Yay. What, how integral what I'm doing is, you know, we'll be left to the, you know, true integralists, you know, to see if it measures up. But I certainly have an intention to integrate. And it's, it's led down a really fascinating path that feels really growthful and generative. And it's, you know, kind of an evolutionary experiment. Yeah. as we might say around here. Yeah. yeah. Well, really I love what you say in your website. Uh, you talk about the journey of becoming. Okay, mm. so that's the evolution. You know, we're evolving beings in an evolving cosmos. Mm. And it's a cosmos that has material exteriors and it has an interior reality that is just as important. Right. And then you say, uh, how do you put it? 
you use mindfulness, adult development, and the wisdom traditions. Mm. So that's a potent brew there, right? And you're doing it with, um, why don't you just give us a sense of the, you know, the, the sangha that you have and yeah. what you're actually doing and, um, and we'll tease it apart. At the moment, I just feel kind of prompted to talk about the name, like why lower lights? It's, uh, it's an obscure metaphor, even, you know, for people in the Christian tradition that that metaphor comes from. But Lower Lights, uh, <clears throat> it's an allusion to a Protestant hymn from the 19th century. And it's, it's a bit of a story about people at sea who are coming into the last stretches of their long journey. And, you know, in pre-modern times, before we had GPS and sophisticated electronics, uh, mariners would orient, you know, across huge spaces of ocean using the upper lights the sun, the stars, the moon. But then when it came to very close distances, like, you know, a few hundred meters out from the shore when they're looking to come into harbor, all of those distances were wrong. It wasn't helpful to see, you know, where's the North Star and how, does that tell me if I'm going to be dashed on the rocks, you know, 50 feet ahead. And so what the mariners relied on were the lower lights. And the lower lights, it was the light generated by human beings, by the community. It was the lighthouses and the hearths, you know, wind up along the shore. And to me, it's a beautiful integral metaphor that there is eros, there's ascension, there's transcendence. But when we really transcend, you know, the, the completion of that movement of spiritual transformation is the descending current. How do we bring divine light into the world in service of other human beings and all of life and beyond? So yeah. lower lights, it's our invitation to grow and evolve and wake up and you yeah. know call this light down into form through all of us and that's what we hope to do at lower lights that's we're, what we're trying to do on a daily basis yeah yeah i love that you know it's, it has that grounded rooted quality to it and you talk about that you're doing practices and, and as you put it and even rituals <laughs> I love that. Parenthetical. Um, you know, it's sort of inevitable, isn't it, that we would create new rituals and new practices around an integral view, which includes, you know, the East and the West and the modern and the, and the pre-modern and interiors and exteriors of Western psychology and all of that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what are you actually doing with people? It's a good question. Well, in a couple hours after I talked to you, we're heading down. Um, you know, to an artist's colony in central Utah called Spring City. And we're going to start, it's, it's going to be, you know, like a two-day retreat with our community, a group of 60 people or so. And we're going to start the day off with, you know, silence. People are going to come into the, the field, the container in silence, spend some time, you know, meditating, like you mm -hmm. might see in a Zen monastery, some Zazen, some Kinhin walking meditation. And then, you know, we're going to do work practice in silence. And can we carry our practice into the day with us, washing dishes, cutting vegetables, gathering wood? Um, you know, from there, we have time in nature. Um, and also, like, after the nature practice, coming back together and starting to move into more of a we space. Right? So, like, what is it like to be eyes open, wide awake? And, you know, recognizing in the moment that, you know, the same spirit that animates me and looks out through my eyes, sees back through another set of eyes, 
seemingly. So it's, it's, you know, it's, and then there's fire and song and dance and celebration. So, you know, that's an example mm -hmm. of, you know, we're community building and hope to be informed by integral methodologies, but are also very concrete in terms of our sense of place. Mm -hmm. We're in Utah. So there's, there's a Mormon community and there are, you know, those sensibilities that you know, mm -hmm. come with that. Yeah. That's just yeah. a little taste of what's happening, yeah. you know, Friday. Yeah. So what I love about it is, you know, one of the ways we could think about an integral spirituality, which again is inevitable to me, at least mm. that the human beings are going to grow into that, uh, is that it includes the first, second and third person. Mm. So you have, you know, typically we think of the third, first person is our own interiors and that's mm. the world that we explore through meditation mm -hmm. and we find out that wait just sitting here and being bored is really interesting because <laughs> i get to see this whole show yeah. instead of be it instead of just compulsively play it out and that itself expands our awareness the obvious second person is you're doing it in community with other people and that there's a beauty to that and a magic to that and human beings really long for that but the other second person that's often left out particularly of progressive spirituality are the eyes that is, are seeing us back mm -hmm. you know that second person who sees me and loves me and it's mysterious yet i'm lit up and i'm a better person when i know i'm being seen and loved and cared for and i you know get confused about it beyond that but that was a big step for me to get that back having been a good christian boy you know fundamentalist basically and then losing my religion as well was the piece that really felt so sweet was you know being seen and loved by god so that second person and then the third person is be knowing where you are you know the mormon lineage for sure but also just the, the, the utah yeah. and nature and uh, appreciating that and fires and all of the elements. Yeah. And, you know, that was the religion for most of human history was just worshiping, if you call it worshiping, it's just being lived by the nature spirits. Yeah. And all of that's available to us. Isn't that great? Preach, Jeff. I love yeah, it. Man. Yeah, you're speaking right to my heart. This is, yeah. Yeah, this is what we do. Yeah. And by the way, let me just pause and give you a kudos. 60 people, that's a, that's a solid sangha. That's 60 human beings. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, with all due respect, of... <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot of trouble. Uh, right, the coming, from, coming from Jeff Saltzman, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. type five introvert who prefers to. And yet who started the integral center and tried to <laughs> exactly. do, you know, it's like, I, I, I loved uh, doing a church till the people showed up on that classic yeah. sort of joke. Right. I'm a little more gregarious, you know, yeah, the big, the big community enough. gatherings are more my speed. That's where I prefer to work. So I'm happy people show up and, you know, yeah. bring their hearts to the fire with us. Right on. So you have, um, you know, a Mormon flavor, would you say to this is, I mean, where's Mormonism fit into this? Because right. of course, Mormonism is a traditional religion right. with modern uh, sort of aspects to it too, right? I mean, yes. it has notices planets and the bigger, bigger cosmos and all of that. But anyway, how's that fitting in? How's it fitting in? Well, yeah, let me back up a little bit that, you know, a, a meditation teacher of mine in my mid twenties introduced me to integral. He was a big Wilbur fan and well-read and he had this intuition like, you know, you've been doing the States thing for a while. How about the stages now? 
And that, I mean, it just blew me away. Like so many people who first came into contact with Ken's work, it just, it just changed the whole playing field for me. My response, honestly, I read my first Wilbur book, learned about adult development for the first time. I'd been deeply estranged from the Mormon faith, the LDS tradition for, you know, I guess it had been 12, 13 years at that point. And my honest response, totally spontaneous to reading Ken's work was, I can't believe it. I can be Mormon again. And that, that like, and I was surprised to feel that. I didn't know that I still wanted to be a part of my native tradition, uh, the, the LDS church. And it was this weird jarring moment, like, whoa, where did that thought come from that I can still be a part of that, this? Then the next question is, well, how do I actually take the steps to, be, to come back and embrace a tradition I thought I'd left you know, long behind? And I, I realized there was something missing for me. And you touched on it so beautifully just now. You know, we can <clears throat> study models of adult development we can get our meditation on and, you know, like get a good samadhi going and, you know, take the, you know, transcendent 50,000 foot view. But there is something about being in a neighborhood and in a family that sang certain songs and told certain stories. Like, you know, there was a whole anthropology and culture and history that wove me to my family and my community in an utterly unique way. The same way the very language we're speaking right now to communicate to each other reveals different aspects of reality in a unique way. I believe human traditions do that. Mm -hmm. So, so it just like, like a poet would relish in the tools of his or her language. I just began to relish again. I'm like, wow, look at these unique and shimmering gifts. The, the tradition that the Latter-day Saints have passed down to me, offered to me. And I started yeah. to create with them. And I started to, you know, use the integral models of first, second, third person and states and stages. And it just blew open into infinity. It's like, man, mm -hmm. this, is, this is one hell of a playground. Thank you, Ken Wilbur. Thank you to all my teachers who helped reveal this. It, it mm -hmm. was just life-changing. Yeah. Are you finding that you are able to transmit this to your people? Poco a poco, you know, it's mm -hmm. happening step by step, little by little, mm -hmm. but absolutely. You know, the, the book that my wife and I created together, she illustrated it, I wrote it, that kind of brought awareness into this local community that there are different Mormonisms. We construct different meanings of what we conventionally think of as the church. It's actually an infinitude of churches that we're creating moment to moment and that mm -hmm. they weave, they hang together in a beautiful integral uh, Indra's net. Mm -hmm. and, and we started to tell that story and people came out of the woodwork and they're just like, oh my goodness, like I'm a Mormon at this stage. That's what, you know, people just started coming up to us and they, they had a really similar response I did, which is that there's so much love in my heart for my family, my tradition, where I come from. And I see a way to take the very best of that, right. and move forward with it, march forward into novelty. And so we've just grown. I mean, really, since the book came out four years ago, we've just been growing nonstop. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about there being several churches. And, you know, one of the ways of slicing and dicing that is just seeing it the traditional and modern and postmodern. Mm -hmm. And those are big categories, but really helpful. But the sort of rub is that the modern 
rational, secular worldview is often the stage where you leave the church. Indeed. You know, but to see that as actually a stage of spiritual development is there is no God. And then sort of deconstruct that mythic totalitarian kind of, you know, triumphalist kind of thing. After you do that, then you could get it back in a way that's actually liberated. Right. You know, I think of Paul Ricoeur's term, the second naivete. Yes. When we're able to descend Uh, back into the embodied forms again, and they're, they're reanimated and enchanted all over again. Yeah. That's just a lot of what we intend for. You know, I mean, do you commune with a higher being? Do you pray? Do you do that sort of thing? Or is that the bridge too far? I do. And some people <laughs> in our community do. And sometimes I've even gone so far as to, ex, you know, extend invitations to people to, you know, give and receive blessings in the community. And some yeah. people are lit up by the opportunity to channel that divine power through themselves. And other people are deeply triggered by yeah. that language and that practice. and and. And we're all together healing and working it out. So, yeah. yes, the, there is that element in our community and our practice. Yeah, I think it's one of the challenges as we think about an integral spirituality going forward. Yeah. Right, where we integrate this is that we're going to have people who still have antibodies to yeah. <laughs> anything, particularly in the second person. I mean, yeah. they can go into meditation, as I did. You know, I was a good atheist meditator for many years, and I'm grateful for that and what I gained from that and still do it, you know. But, and then so you got those people, and then you got the people who are willing and open, and you got the people who are lit up by it. And this is the challenge of an integral spirituality where we don't have a catechism quite. Right. Right. You know, uh, you know, everything included is could be, you know, a mess. Yes, indeed. As I understand integral and as I identify as a member of the integral community, this feels like a frontier to me in integral practice, which is like it's one thing to become self-aware of development and evolution. We see that happen really self-consciously and naturally at teal on up. But then that move to say like, okay, I'm aware of the sweep of evolution and I choose to commune with people in my neighborhood who are coming from very different value systems, yeah. very different worldviews. And like, I, I bring my heart to this altar. Yeah. This is a devilish question. And yet I believe we're living into like, you know, what the future communities will look like. That I believe it really will hang together. Yeah. Ken talks about pacers of transformation and sex ecology, spirituality, and at some point, collective consciousness is going to evolve and manifest organizing principles yeah. that allow us very different kinds of people to come together and commune in a totally new kind of way and deeply honor one another's developmental rights, the right to see and make meaning of reality, however it makes sense to us in our heart of hearts. Yeah. But still be together in that. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's no, daunting. It, it, that's mean, yet to come. Yeah. But thank so, you for your pioneering efforts. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, let me just read you something you wrote. Because oh, no. <laughs> I love what you wrote. I, I, your website is uh, very inspiring, just to go read. I would Thank encourage you, people to visit lowerlights.com or something, probably. Lowerlightswisdom.org, right? yeah. 
like I was saying, lowerlightswisdom.org. <laughs> Here you talk about, you know, what you're doing, meditation, the wisdom traditions, and then adult development is sort of the three big categories. And here's Ooh. what you write about adult development. Never before have so many different kinds of people and worldviews coexisted in the same space. Too often, we assume that people who don't see the world the way we do must have just lost the plot somehow. Whatever it is, we think they don't get it. Adult development offers us a shocking new look at the very distinct worlds we all inhabit, as well as insight into how we can tread more lightly on one another's sacred ground. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jeff. Talk about practice, and then you, you go into different experiences for different people during different phases of development are supportive for ongoing growth. Research indicates that while we can easily plateau in our adult development, we don't have to. In fact, there seems to be no upper limit to how much we can grow. The latest stages of human development remain a mystery waiting to be lived. Fabulous. And then awesome. your last line, we invite you to come and discover with us in community what the next unfolding in your life looks like. Mm. Fabulous. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. I appreciate it. I mean, that's well-defined uh, integral spirituality. Appreciate so, <laughs> yeah, you bet. I appreciate it too, man. So, I wanted to get into some of the specifics of what you're offering, particularly in the sort of big flagship course that you're doing, right? Yeah. Which is called Spectra, Nine-Month Journey of Transformation. Mm -hmm. And this is a serious investment for people. Mm -hmm. So what it is, is you're going to have a group of 25 people. And this is something you've done for a long time, right? And you do it with Terry O'Fallon and Kim Barda and John Kessler, right? Yes. Yeah. The current faculty. Yeah. And it's a nine month program, five, what is it, four or five day retreats. Yeah. Four sessions during the nine months that might move up to five sessions in our next cohort mm -hmm. for reasons we may or may not get into. But so it's at a retreat center outside of Portland, Oregon. That's right. And the $6,500 plus it's going to be a couple grand for you know, lodging and travel or whatever. So it's a serious investment. It is. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> um, I, I actually feel like we need many monasteries in the integral world so that, you know, a certain number of people who are really called to this can go deep. Yeah. And, you know, really work with this in community. And as you put it, ex extend your leading developmental edge while developing strength and robustness within your current developmental skills. Hmm. And I love that. <laughs> um, so would you talk about, and you do in, 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 in this course, the, um, the embodiment of both individual and collective evolution? I think we get the individual part, most of us, the spiritual path and spiritual practices are generally organized around the individual, the first person. But what's the second person? How would you look or define that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we start to talk about this flagship program spectra and start to talk about cohort learning, I need to just really tip my hat to Pacific Integral because, you know, that's where I was brought into cohort learning, where I was trained up and was just blown away by the power of holding a collective practice in a developmental context. Um, so my friends at Pacific Integral, just lots of love to them and, you know, definitely check out their work as pioneers in this area. Right on. 
Um, Terry O'Fallon is one of the founders of Pacific Integral and, you know, got really interested in my work in the LDS tradition over the years and saw what I was, you know, looking to do with it and had this insight that if, in her words, she said, if we push into the bones of this tradition, what we learn and what we discover will apply to all traditions. So so from early on, she was really interested in collaborating and we decided to put a cohort program together specifically, you know, in the lower lights context. So what does that mean? And I'll I'll get to your question specifically about uh, collective development, but I feel like this will help us set up a little bit. Um, the, The curriculum that we're working with Inspector, I believe, is really unique. Uh, we're focusing on states of consciousness. You know, an, an integral speak, gross, subtle, causal, non-dual. How do we really develop agility uh, with these particular states? And, you know, recognize how different reality presents itself. You know, when we look from these different states consciousness and then the stages which i don't need to say much more about but that's a really important part of our learning <clears throat> but something that's really helpful here to clarify touch we you've been using the word wisdom traditions because we use that a lot at lower lights and are we're very purposeful about this meaning we recognize that uh, people from all over the planet come from particular traditions yes we have more LDS people than not in this geography, but we also have, you know, sixth generation um, people from pioneer stock whose parents finally left the church a generation ago. And so now they're growing up in an atheist agnostic environment and we hold science and modern knowledge is another wisdom tradition. And we had somebody who was raised in this this tradition, quote, Carl Sagan as one of their guiding lights in their lifetime. And let's hold that as seriously as we would hold Christianity or Buddhism or Hinduism. And we have, you know, a native... Actually, science is the thing that shows us the whole evolutionary view, basically. I mean, not only is an integral spirituality not against science or in conflict, it's actually possible, made possible. Yes, because we know that 13.8 years ago or a billion years ago, nothing blew into something and has evolved into us. That's our story right now. We'll see what the story is in 10,000 years. I'm that story. <laughs> yeah, I, don't need totally. to I don't want to make no, trouble for that belief system. <laughs> but, but exactly, I mean, people come from somewhere. And, and we refer to this as wisdom tradition to like, what does it mean to really work the soil on the plot of land where you were born, like work it deeply and really honor family, ancestry, lineage, tradition. And that has been just a beautiful flowering in the Spectra program to see people come alive in that learning and to see them growing down and really filling out the bandwidth and potential of what sometimes we look at as like, oh, those are earlier stages of development, but those are foundational. And if we can have loving hearts and expressions of service and creativity from these foundational levels of development, it sets us up for healthier metaware living when we're growing into the later stages of development. So, so that is a key piece in the Spectra program is really uh, creating supports that help people mine their traditions. Mine yeah. is a bit of a, you know, too capitalistic a metaphor to, like, to really work that soil and bring forth a new harvest out of all of these gifts we've been 
given by our ancestors and lineage. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a glimpse of the Spectra curriculum. In terms of like collective practice, um, let me just give you a very concrete example of what we mean by this. I was at a conference a couple months ago. The people who put on the conference and held the conference were absolute luminaries, more awake than me, more developed than me, by, I, I would guess, by, by any count. And we spent a few days there, like conferencing and uh, having conversations. And 90% of that conference played out with, you know, people sitting in rows of chairs and looking at the front of the room at uh, people, experts, true experts, like experts in the best sense of the word, offering their insights and their wisdom. Now, nothing wrong with that. I, I learned a lot. And I thought it was really telling after the conference was coming to an end, someone who had traveled from afar to be at this conference was just furious, was just fuming. Just like, like, where's, and, and this person was young, I might add. And this, and he, he or she <laughs> was saying that, like, I came all this distance to share myself and give to this collective. And I'm just sitting in rows, like looking at the front of the room, like we've done in universities for the last several hundred years. And it's an example of just because we're awake and, you know, developed, whatever that means, it doesn't mean that we've evolved the, the forms and the supports that allow that same wakefulness and divine light to flow through us as a collective. Absolutely. So we need to tend to collective development in new ways that we're still learning a lot about. And that's, that practice is, that's what really rocked my world at Pacific Integral. You know, and, and when I had my first taste of a cohort experience, it was just recognizing, wow, we developed this in Christianity. We'd call it the body of Christ. We yeah. developed this collective being the same way we develop an individual being. And that requires all sorts of skillfulness and support yeah. and, and so yeah. forth. So, Well, yeah, the, the, for most of human history, the idea of a spiritual life would be unthinkable without it being in a collective. Right. You know, with a congregation or a sangha. Right. And, and absolutely, it's just sort of basic integral practice in a way yeah. that we want to, you know, rework that, that the previous soil that we've rejected oftentimes, you yeah. know, magic is rejected by yeah. traditionalism. You know, we right. want to get rid of all the golden calves and we, every right. God is in the sky and all of that. And all of these things that have been rejected appropriately because that's how we grow up. It's like a human being looking at their childhood. I actually want some of that magic back right. that I had when I was five. Right. You know, and yeah. I want to have some of the, that sort of wide-eyed innocence. And I want to see the sparkle. And yeah. I want to see, uh, you know, so that's, that's just basic integral practice. And to do yeah. that, you know, consciously yes. is Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really, you know, the trick. My wife is in this current cohort. She helped create the book and create the community lower lights with me. And recently, you know, in the Spectre program, she shared a journal entry with the cohort about her, her inner landscape, like what's moving in her. And, you know, Gloria, my wife is first generation American parents immigrated from Korea. And she's just going deep into Confucianism. She just has this insight, like, wow, these patterns, yes. this intelligence yes. that has informed so much of humanity over the last couple of thousands yes. of years like it's still in me it's still moving me and as i look closer at it i'm discovering wow like there was a schism hundreds of years ago 
One school was totally mystical. The other school was totally pragmatic. And the pragmatic school won out. And we've been living in the consequences like of they that always ever do. since. Like they always <laughs> do. I know. We got to rally, mystics. Yeah, this is unacceptable. Exactly. We've got to march on these But it's an example, you know, Gloria is the only Korean American in our current cohort, and she's the first person to ask about Confucianism deeply. But when she goes into that deeply, the whole board lights up with people saying, I could switch out all of your questions and put Catholic there, or I could put Hinduism there. And it's, it's such an exciting glimpse of this integral network where it's, it's trans-lineage, yeah. right? There are, there are principles that weave our lineages together like an arabesque. The surface structure is varied, but the, the universal realities that underlie, we all intuit, and we celebrate in each other, and we're enriched for being in that context together. Well, maybe you just described what we were questioning earlier about, like, what is this new sort of organizational principle that's going to hold all... <laughs> these different people. Right. Indeed. And, you know, in our response, we're, we're experimenting. We don't know, but one of our, like, I would say the backbone that organizes our Spectra program and just the curriculum and the intention at Lower Lights is integral polarity practice. You know, yeah. this, is, this is obscured yet to the integral community, but it's, you know, interesting to note that way back, would it have been in the early 90s, the Integral Spiritual Center? Uh, the creator of integral polarity practice, John Kessler, met up with Ken Wilbur. And, you know, Ken was moved enough by integral polarity practice. He said, hey, John, will you and Sally Kempton chair, you know, the spiritual center and, you know, use your leadership to help guide us? So Ken recognized years ago that integral polarity practice had power to synthesize and organize. And we've been working with that and, you know, just inspired by those patterns to see what we might be able to evolve together in community. Yeah. So I see that. I I love what you say. You say that polarity practice collapses stress-inducing polarities, (laughs) which they are, into non-dual still points. Mm, mm. It's nice. Yeah. And, but, you know, what we get from the polarities is a bigger playing field. Yeah. Yes. You know, because, you know, we go all the way over here and we go all the way over here and then once the whole field is revealed to us, and that's an uncomfortable, as you say, stress-inducing right. thing to do. It's, we do it culturally, too. We're doing it right now with the culture wars. And, right. you know, cultures have always done this. They get, right. they get oh, this big field. And then just before we get ripped apart, we f- can see, hey, wait a second. I want all of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm tired of the war, but yeah. I want the best of all of that. Yeah. And there's a new... Ah, oh, it's such a relief right. that yeah. um, God bless us all. Indeed, point. indeed. Yeah. One, of, one of the deep insights um, that I have grown a lot in through integral polarity practice is this recognition that if we can become the still point, which, you know, by still point, the way we use that language is it's a, it's a place from which we can manifest non-egoic virtue. Virtue can sound stodgy, but it means if I am deeply at rest, then naturally what flows out of the center of my being is a quality of loving acceptance. Thank you. Yeah. Right. And and so like 
among other things in this polarity practice, we're, we're practicing non-egoic manifestation in yep. the world. And what we find is that different faith traditions, different sacred and secular traditions, they manifest different virtues beautifully. Mm-hmm. And we need all of the virtue of humankind. So, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, imagine just, you know, a, um, I'm kind of getting these images of a cornucopia or the star studded sky of just yeah. human virtue that's, you know, yes. lighting up the world. Yes. And that, that's the inquiry. Yes. Right? And the different lights have been shown on that. Yeah. Like the Confucian and the Christian right. and the Zen right. and what in the nature mystics and yeah. all of that. And I want all of that. I want yeah. to know what the Confucian thing is. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to go deeply. I'm not going to whatever, but I want to know what that is yep. uh, because it's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So I notice you also focus a good bit on, and this is again, good integral practice on shadow work. Right. Which is the part, you know, looking at the stuff that's driving us crazy and, you know, turning towards it. Indeed. You've been, you've had Kim Barda on your show. Kim has been yeah. brilliant at, you know, designing a curriculum to really help the collective uh, do deep and meaningful shadow work at an individual level, at a collective level. So he's been a big part of designing our curriculum that way. And, you know, and John, in integral polarity practice, his approach to shadow work is different, complementary. So we're really taking it from a lot of different angles. Like, that, could you give us just the flavor of, the, of each of those? Well, what's interesting, you know, Kim and John both have a background in gestalt, in voice dialogue. So, you know, one example of many practices that could break out in the Lower Lights community or Spectra program is, you know, we're actually asking two aspects of the individual self or the collective self that might be clashing to actually engage one another and, you know, like have it out. But not just the free-for-all, but to actually to hold a space of deep presence as a collective, um, have two voices come together. I'll, let's get juicy. I'll tell you a big like, movement in the cohort right now in Spectra is around eroticism, sexuality. And there's a voice saying, like, we've, we've been boxed in too long. We need to free ourselves and free up this awesome creative energy. And there's another voice aspect in the cohort saying, that could do a lot of damage. How do we reconcile these? So, you know, in voice dialogue, ask each of these aspects of the self, what is your positive intent? You know, how, in what way do you serve the self and the collective? And to like bring their wisdom into the group rather than just banging at each other endlessly to just take in their wisdom and integrate that wisdom. And that's, that's one approach to shadow work that is really profound. Wow. Well, all I can say is better you than me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this is where I see my arrested development, and I'm fine with it. Right. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's, it's, it's, that's juicy work. That's po- it's feel like it, it's almost nuclear. There's nuclear energy in these little pieces. Oh, yeah. of, that's a you know, really good way of, to say it. Yeah. You split that atom of a You split that atom and look out. Uh, look out. It's, <laughs> it'd be dangerous work. And that's only one piece of yep. it. But that's what we're doing here. You know, yes. we really, we human beings just can't help ourselves. We just yeah. keep getting each, in each other's hair. And, um, you know, yeah, it's nice to do it in a way, like you said, where it's not a free for all. 
where we can actually control it and see where we go off track with these things and come back on track and you know yeah that's right we're interested in we want to produce good fruit you know not just conflict for conflict's sake so we're humbled by the work and continuing to learn but you know this curriculum which just kind of grown out just arisen out of the field states stages shadow psychological healing all of that in service of helping us deeply connect to lineage ancestry tradition and bringing our whole self forth in service that's what's happening that's the laboratory right now our lower life hallelujah we're loving it it's amazing we're, yeah, yeah. Well, and and of course, that last part about stepping into the world, you know, it's just, you got to, there's, right. you, you just can't keep it to yourself. We, Lower life. We, human beings can't do that. Lower I mean, we life, can, yeah, but it's, yeah. it leads to, uh, you know, unhappiness. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, fabulous. I love what you said here, too. You're looking for universal wisdom patterns from the mm-hmm. great wisdom traditions, both sacred and secular. Yeah. And and how they help us enter an imaginal field mm. where ancestors past, present, and future stand in support of your heart's deepest longing. That's a lot. First of all, <laughs> I, let me just say I love the ancestor stuff. Uh, and to feel this is another second-person practice, to actually feel right. how we are continuing to express this lineage of humanity that is particularly ours. Yes, we live in a field of benefaction. And this field is not just impersonal or even transpersonal. It's deeply personal. From from a particular worldview, there are angels and ancestors in heaven eager for our success. And and to live in that is human. Yeah. It's humanizing. Yeah, it really is. And I think this is where the Mormon uh, sort of lineage really helps fill out the picture, right? Totally. Because I mean, you're, it's, all in, it's, you're all in on these angels. And that, well, angelology, and, but just like, you know, Salt Lake City is the genealogical headquarters of the planet. You know, if you want to do some deep point. investigating on your family, come to Salt Lake and you know, stay with me. Come say hello. <laughs> but... Um, but it's just, it's comical to me, like when we're at these spectra retreats and people are breaking off into groups and just, you know, starting to call down what their work is looking like, what's shaping up through their lives in the world. I hear people getting excited about, oh, I have this great, great uncle who had this dream and this vision. People are going back generations to obscure ancestors and it's actually lighting up part of them. It's as if this ancestor is fulfilling a dream and a longing through their progeny. And that that's always been so, right? I say this and we all know this, but to actually live it and embody it and give ourselves to it, is, it's such an amazing. Oh my God. And again, this is religion for most of human history. Yes, you know, exactly. All online. And then we thought, yeah. well, that's stupid. Right. You know, and we think we're right. You know, it's really <laughs> right. funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but okay, so 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 there's that. But then you throw in this other thing, uh your ancestors past, present and future. <laughs> I love that. What's up face, with that? <laughs> My future ancestors? Yeah, yeah, your future your future great-great-grandfather. <laughs> wow. And you know, your your great-great-grandson from the distant past. Wow. 
it's that, you know, time is just another thing we see through. And when we really engage in this kind of practice, we recognize that everything we've ever loved, everything we will ever love is present and speaking and animating. And, mm. and we express that right now. Mm. Oh, yeah. There's a Whitman poem that I wish I could remember that is <laughs> right on the money with that. Um, wow. That's fantastic. Uh, and it leads me into, we'll sort of wind up with some of the bigger questions here. So when I was doing the, you know, integral evolutionary catechism about 13.8 billion years ago, and uh, you had a little bit of a glitch of the system there. You got something to add to that? Or, uh, oh, to the 13.8 billion years? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I love it. We're coming back to this. Yeah. I'll just say, you know, I'm just, I'm just spinning a yarn like you and everyone else, right? Who knows? But an image that's come to me that's filled me with wonder. And, and to me, I've just noticed in my own journey when I'm filled with awe and wonder, that's usually a good sign. Like, okay, that, that fruit tastes good. But I imagine, you know, what we call 13.8 billion years, it feels like an in-breath and an out-breath, timeless, formless expansion and contraction. And maybe we're just looking at a single out-breath that is 13.8 billion years old in one particular corner of the multiverse. And what we disappear back into, how old is that? And how many breaths does the infinite take in and out? And, and, and to me, it even makes sense. Yeah, to, in, to in me, this. it just, it reminds me like, so I can't even comprehend 13.8 billion years. It's too much time to comprehend, even if Neil deGrasse Tyson puts it on like a one month <laughs> map for me and walks around. I love that know, like, map. Yeah, yeah. Pyrotechnics, it's awesome. But even when he does that, it's still too much time. But then <laughs> just remembering that, you know, maybe this is just one out breath. Yeah. And, you know, 13.8 becomes who knows. And yeah. I, I just, my heart just falls silent. I was just going to say, Thomas, you're stopping <laughs> my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, we have a podcast to do here. Uh, <laughs> wow, man. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up. I agree. Mind stopped. Mind. Yeah, body, mind yeah. dropped. Yeah, body, body, mind <laughs> dropped. Exactly. <laughs> well, Thomas McConkie, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, if people want to know more, uh, where might they go? Lowerlightswisdom.org backslash spectra, where you can okay. just find your way along the website. Um, yeah, check us out and send us some love. Get involved. Is, are there ways that people can get involved without being in Salt Lake City? I mean, I know the well, retreats are available for everybody, but is there a virtual community or anything like that? We have online offerings. Yes, there are ways people can get involved. One thing I want to say briefly is that, you know, Lower Lights grew out of a local yearning in this particular geography. But, you know, just drop into your body for a moment, take a few breaths and sense into what are the divides in your community? And like, how can you bring those polarities into a unity? So we're, we're one expression of like, okay, there's a religious secular divide in Salt Lake. And, you know, that's not going to cut it in the 21st century. We got to do better. But Boring. somewhere else, somewhere else, there are more profound racial divides or political divides or gender divides. And, and you know, the invitation, get to know us to the extent that we're inspiring as a case study, but then express your own. I mean, I believe we're an expression of something that 
wants to happen everywhere. Yeah, that's where the integral community comes in, and we're proud to be a part of it. Well, again, hallelujah. 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 (laughs) All right, Thomas. Well, thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for listening to The Daily Evolver. We'll see you next time.